Atlas Propaganda. That's his name. He's a Christian rapper. But if you like poetry and spoken word stuff, that was pretty good. If you want, I can send you that link and you can check it out. But the, there's, I don't think there's a way that you can grasp that in one viewing. Um, the Flipper Overer was my favorite. Or the Dem Fraud. That's a good one. Jesus is greater than our imperfection, and before we take to touch someone's life gift this morning, I have to admit to you that I have failed you as a person. I'm not perfect. Last week during both services, I told you this title of the sermon for this week. Both times were incorrect. I said, Jesus is greater than our imperfection. No, that would have been right. I said, Jesus is greater than our selfishness. Twice I said it. And in God's ironic, uh, funny sense of humor, this is actually the real title. Sam comes running up to me after church and goes, uh, dude, you did not send me that title. Is there a different sermon? Did I get the wrong one? I said, nope, I'm an idiot. Okay. So thankfully we can all sit in this room and we can all be imperfect together serving a perfect God. Man, I had, I, I did, yesterday was the end of three weeks in a row that I either performed a ceremony or I sang in a ceremony for a wedding three weekends in a row and yesterday I received a monetary gift from from them but I received a a materialistic gift from the the mom and dad of the bride yesterday and uh, I want to share with you what I got I got death wish coffee it has a warning on the label and it says like three times the caffeine but it's really really smooth and I I had a cup okay um, but I'm, I'm, I am excited about preaching. Lee, however, this morning, uh, I, I brought my thermos of some and gave him, a, you know, one of the, the lid cups of coffee. And he goes, this is really smooth. And about 20 minutes later, he goes, I really want to do things really fast right now. <laughs> so I promise I'll take my time during this sermon. And I promise that we'll be out on time. But Jesus is greater than our imperfection. And before we, we dial into that, we are going to take our touch someone's life gift um, if you if you don't know what that is, if you've not been here for that, if you're not from Connection, this is not for you, okay? Um, this is an offering that we take, and we've been able to give over $19,000 away over the last six or seven years doing this. We take up a collection of pennies, nickels, and dimes. At the end of the service, I'll give a bag or bags out to people. They go out into the community, and I know this is going to sound really weird, but they hand people bags of cash. No strings attached. God loves you. We want to make... We want to make an impact on people uh, that have been uh, burnt by church, never heard the name of Jesus, never understood what church was, never stepped foot in a church. And the people that say, if I step inside your church, the roof's going to fall down. At Connection, you've seated yourself this morning in a very dangerous place because we are imperfect people that believe that this can change our life. We can't get to heaven on our own. We need a savior. And in Hebrews, we found out that that is Jesus, the high priest. And I know some of you are like, if he says high priest one more time. That's what I feel with the writer. I'm like, hey, come on. I have a big announcement. At Connection, we do some different things. We do some things that are, the people think are totally weird, totally off off the wall. Uh, But we do understand a couple of different things. Number one, when we have Connect groups, we have them the first three weeks of the month. And we give you a week or two, depending on that month. Uh, weeks off because we push family time. Um, I don't know if your schedule matches mine, but I think that I could go and, and or play in six or seven different games this week. That's if I played my two 
and the girls played there too, and we throw in a rain up. We, we haven't got any rain out for, anyway, that's a joke, okay? So you know, the other night, Emma had to play a doubleheader. She's 10, had to play a doubleheader. So anyway, what we're going to do is this. It says in your worship handout the weeks that you meet. Adult youth group, or adult connect groups. This doesn't bother you guys, okay? Adult connect groups. June and July, we're taking a break. I haven't heard anybody argue with it yet, okay? So here's the deal. Go have fun in the summer, okay? Go have fun. Take your kids to the custard stand. Although somebody posted last night, and that was the longest line I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've been there quite a bit. But... But here's the deal. We want you to enjoy your summer, okay? We want you to enjoy going to ball games and, and not being rushed around. We have the total intention of doing this, okay? We're going to relaunch Connect Group, start them back up in August, okay? Everybody's coming back to school. We're going to launch, relaunch. It's going to be a different study. We're going to do a topical study. I can't share with you what that is because I actually have it within several. I'm not decided on one yet, but it's going to be a topical one um, that gives us uh, good discussion. But I don't think it's bad to take a break. God says to rest, and many of us don't do a good job with that. So don't just find something to do. But during those two months, there's going to be, there's going to be a group of people that get together, that, that, go to, that go to these connect groups. We're going to get together all together. And then we're going to invite the people that are interested in connect groups and have never been. And then we're going to try to trick the people that, never, that aren't interested in connect groups to come to this party so they will be interested in connect groups. Okay? It's a great time to kind of just rest with our host families. I know you guys do a lot. Um, I, I understand that. We host one and I teach in one. So I, I, I get it. Uh, it gives our teachers a rest. And, and quite frankly, it just doesn't, it's something that's not on the calendar that week for just a couple months. We were only going to meet uh, four times, I think, anyway. So... Anyway, that's just a big deal. This, this test tube may shatter on the floor and break and be awful. Or it may be something that we do. But we, we are flexible. We're, we, we try to meet different needs and see how this goes. And, and so, so no, no connect groups until, until August. Um, and you'll hear more um, announcements about that. There's also going to be this summer new improvements. Now, when you get to talk about new improvements, that means usually one thing. God is... God still, and he's moving in the hearts of people that are seeking to live in love like him, and that also means partially of giving of money, okay? Because we've done that, we're going to be, a couple years ago, we made the handicapped parking spaces. We're going to make some building grounds improvements uh, that will make the, uh, I can't wait. Um, We're going to do some concrete work, but for for somebody that that is new to our church, you may think, my goodness, he he has a lot of guts. Uh, asking this question, but we have kind of just tossed around the, our, our, the idea of God is greater than our money. God is greater than our mindset on things. God is greater than different things. And this next thing that I'm going to say might just complete, it, you'll know if it's not you, but somebody it might click with, and I'm not scared to ask this, okay? If we, if we concrete the, this all the way around, and then our whole parking lot and all the way out to the road, it'd be about one hundred and fifteen to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm not being silly. If you, if God is really leading you to to put money for that, just come talk to me at your church. I'm really not joking. I've watched a lady write a check for four hundred ninety six thousand dollars. I'm not. I'm not joking. God's bigger than that. Okay, but I'm just saying. We're going, to do, we're going to attempt to do this in, in pieces. That's what we're going to do. Uh, it would, it would look, aesthetically, it would look really cool. And I can tell you as one of the line painters with Colton, it would be really good to not have to spray paint rocks. Uh, we could line it with a machine. <laughs> but anyway, that's what, we're, that's what we're going to. But I'll give you some announcements when that's going to happen. There's going to be a, just a, a slight bit of, uh, you may have to drive this a little bit in a different place or anything. But um, 
I announced last week because it was, it was Jesus is greater than our selfishness, which he, which he is. But it turns out um, that I was wrong. I thought it was quite fitting when I realized that it was this. Because I have a whole lot of imperfections. Uh, I posted my apology on Facebook. And um, I, I was expecting, oh, it's okay, man. Instead, instead, I got the laughing face emoji from our people. Ha, ha, ha. And that's, that's great. That's funny. Um, today, we're talking about um, something that is 100 million percent intentional. It wasn't my intention last week to lead you astray and give you a wrong title. I just messed up. This is fantastically intentional. Some of you walked in this morning and, you, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not special. I'm messed up. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. I've got, made this mistake and this mistake. Listen, it's okay to sit in the pew or the pew into the chair because somebody in your row other than you is probably messed up too. And I don't mean messed up like in a, in a, in, even in an addicted sense, I mean messed up as in you're not perfect. That probably, you know, it's all of us. We all have imperfectness inside of us. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 8. And I know that if you're from Connection, you're excited because we get through this whole chapter in one day. As you're excited, we're get, now I'm getting ready to get to, we're getting ready to get down to the awesome part of Hebrews, like in chapter 11, when it talks about the hall of faith. Um, has anybody seen Samson at Branson? When it talks about the hall of faith and you see all those guys. Anyway, it's a really cool, uh, really cool thing. If you have your worship handout, that's the green piece of paper. I want you to flip it open to the first page and there's uh, there's some fill in the blanks. Let's look at the first one. It says, Christ's atoning work is finished, but his advocating work is not. Now, some of you are going, oh, great. We're having a vocabulary lesson from our pastor this morning. This stuff is very, very simple. And by the way, there's a lot of churches around this country and around this county that would absolutely kill to have something like this right here. Young men and women sitting towards the front. And let me tell you something. What, what is going on in our youth group right now is insanely awesome. I can't wait. We're taking almost 30 people to church camp. Pray for the other part of camp. We are invading. Okay? Now, let me, let me, let me tell you about these two. Let me tell you about these two things. The, I say that because these kids and young people and adults that are going understand what that is. They, why, why would you spend a week at camp? Because they've understood what atoning is. Christ's atoning work is finished. Atoning means paying for, okay, the atonement that's paying for sin. Jesus Christ's atoning work is finished. On the cross, Jesus gave up his life. He died for all the sins that ever had been committed and all of them that ever would be committed, okay? So that part is over. The Bible tells us that Jesus was on the cross, and it says that he said, it's finished. I'm going to tell you something real quick. If Jesus says it's finished, it's over. You're not that good of negotiator to undo that. When Jesus hung on the cross, he, he did so in a manner that he looked down and saw sinners and said, God, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And the Bible says this, Jesus gave up his life. At any moment in time, he could have just demolished everything on earth, including everybody around there that he wanted to. But he did give his life on the cross for our sin. 
Three days later, God raised him from the dead. Okay, that part is over. The fact that we can, we can have a relationship with Christ and we can get into heaven after we die, that is the atoning work of Jesus. Now, advocating is not over. Now, we walk in this morning and you say, man, I'm not feeling very special. Okay, cool. I love you. I don't even know you. Okay, cool. I still love you. Because of what God has done in me, I love you. Watch. Some of you walk in and say, I'm not very special. Nothing, no, nothing's really important or everything's going wrong. Let me tell you something. If you don't think you're special, don't take my word for it. Look in Hebrews because it's going to tell you this. The main job of Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God currently right now in heaven is to intercede to God the Father for you. If you don't think you're special, the human, the human and, the, and the spirit version of Jesus in spirit form, in John 1.1 1, 1 and Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, is the same person that spoke the world into existence, and he prays for you. Anybody have a, a praying parent or grandmother that probably saved your life? I have, like, a lot of them. <laughs> Those people are special, but they're not the Son of God, and they're not sitting in heaven talking to God the Father. So Matt messes up, and when Matt messes up and doesn't even know the words to say, Jesus prays for me. I'm not even sure to completely explain this whole thing, but his advocating doesn't quit. It will one day, but it's, it's going on. That's his job. And some of you are going, man, I make his life busy. Yeah, don't we? Every time we mess up, every time that we, that we do something, every sin that's been committed, Jesus paid for in Hebrews 8, we discover yet again of Jesus being, and I know that you're like, I'm so sick of these words. Jesus is our high priest. This time it's special. He, sends this, he has the first seven chapters of explaining what we need to do. But in chapter 8, he says, this is exactly what you need to hear right here, right now. Because he talks about the new covenant and that Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. And we're using a lot of word. Listen, if you ever come to church and you say, I have no idea what a covenant is, please come and talk to me. I would be glad to understand. The last thing I want to do is somebody to be confused when they go out of church. I would like for you to be able to take what we talk about today and apply it to wherever you go eat. We'll talk about waitresses and waiters later. If I can get back around to it. In Hebrews 8. We find out that Jesus is the high priest of the new covenant. The high priest at the temple in the Old Testament would come and would make sacrifices. And there would be countless every day, daily, monthly, weekly, yearly. Jesus' atoning work was once and for all done. Look at verse 1 with me, the very first verse of chapter 8. Now, this... I would love for everything in the Bible to be written like this. Hmm, here's the main point. Ding. <laughs> Underline what's next. If this was a textbook, we would all pass the test, right? Oh, okay. You re anybody really good at ink? No, don't raise your hand. I don't want to be jealous of you. Okay? I can write well, but I'm, I have no idea what a... I probably couldn't tell you the indirect objects and all those different cool things and whatever. Um, but here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. Did you know one of the names of God that is referred to in the Bible is he is majesty? Isn't that just like, hmm. Anybody name their kid majesty? Some of you are like, heck no. <laughs> majesty. Just, you ever see anything that's majestic? Now to me, 
my, my idea of majestic may not match yours. But I have some pastor friends that went up to an Alaskan cruise and they went through the glacier, Glacier National Park. And the, and the guy would get on the, on the radio and he would go, what you see here is a 300 foot sheer cliff on this edge of this iceberg. And then he would talk about it being majestic, not because of what you could see, but about the, not about the 300 feet that you could see, but he would talk about the 700 feet that's below the water that you could not see. A majestic mountain. To some of us, a majestic deer or a, a majestic turkey or whatever. Majestic, just the, the view of the Grand Canyon is majestic. Now, God is not majestic. His name is Majesty. So, so he is, he is everything that we can't understand. Now he talks about the place of honor. Jesus Christ gave his life, was raised from the dead, was on earth for a certain amount of time, ascended back to heaven. And now God says, you are in the place in the seat of honor. If God is sitting here, the place of honor is right here. It's on his right. If you were a noble, the most noble and most powerful, uh, noble in in the kingdom and you had a dinner with the king and you are the most important you sit right here it's very important that you understand that because that's exactly where jesus is now watch this this is this makes me really happy when i mess up jesus doesn't have to go very far to intercede for me hey i need to talk to you about matt Hmm. i need to talk to you about matt again Okay, he doesn't have to go very far. He's in the seat of honor. God said he's, ex- he's supremely exalted. Now, you, you may hear the word exalted ruler for, for a carnal, humanistic thing. But we're talking about a land, a, 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 a place called heaven that is perfect. And these, God and his throne is elevated above perfection. And to the right sits the only person that could ever sit in that chair. He's the only person that could ever do it because of what he's done. And God says, you are sitting in the place of honor. You paid the price for these people's sin. Look at verse 2. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. The true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. If you take notes, I found this, I found this quote to be absolutely incredible today or this week. So we're talking about that Jesus ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. If you have any Old Testament knowledge, and you understand that when the Jewish people, Israelites, wandered around, they, they had a tabernacle. Has anybody ever read about the tabernacle? It was, it was a tent, okay? It was a dwelling place of God. Now watch. We're going to talk about this in just a second, but how specific was God with Moses on how to build it? If you're in discipleship group, you're like, dude, I read like eight hours on that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Okay, he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. It's not the Old Testament tabernacle. This is a heavenly one, okay? Now, many people are fooled. If you want to write this down, many people are fooled and think that Jesus has done all he's going to do for us. Let me tell you that again. Many people are fooled and think that Jesus has done all he's going to do for us by going to the cross. That's That's right. Yeah. But people think, oh, he, he died on the cross, get, a hell, you know, get out of hell free card, and I, I get saved, and I, and I go to heaven. Every day of our life when we mess up because we're imperfect, he intercedes to God the Father. We come into a place this morning, and you're sitting in a very, very difficult, very dangerous place in this church because we are crazy enough to believe that this can change your entire life. And if you don't, you don't have to take my word for it. 
I could give you about 15 people in this room that would be glad to share with you how this has changed their life. How it's turned it around. How God has changed their thoughts and they've been transformed through the, the, the verse of Romans 12 too and how he's changed us. Jesus is our redeemer. I love that word. He's our redeemer. You know what happens when you redeem something? You get it back. It's precious to you. He intercedes for us all the time. There's two things. There's two things that remain for Christ to do. One of them is the interceding. Okay? He's going to continue to do that. All right? There will come a time when that will cease. There will come a time when the other one is over. But besides mediating for us to the Father, the only other prophecy that has left to be unfulfilled yet is him coming back. Now, I don't know about you, and I don't know if you have a gambling issue, but I do know, I've been to Las Vegas. That's about as much gambling as I know about. I've been, it's fun, okay? You can see a lot of cool things in, in Las Vegas. Um, I saw Siegfried and Roy's White Tigers, pretty cool. Uh, anyway, if you're a, a person that, that, that has a, a betting mindset, I want you to listen to this. There's over 300 prophecies given in the Bible that the Messiah, Jesus, would do. If he's done everything but one of them, what are the odds of him finishing this task? And, and when you check about the odds, are you willing to bet eternity that he won't? See, now you're gambling with something that's, in, that's, that's priceless. So what happens is... Well, we need, to, we need to go on. So in verse 3, he says, And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifice, our high priest must make an offering as well. In the Old Testament, the high priest would go in and make sacrifices, right? So they would go in and make sacrifices. They never went in there empty-handed. You be the, you be the high priest, and on the, one, on the high holy day, you have to go into the holy of holies, which would be so intimidating. Because if God did not accept your gift, knock, knock, you die, <laughs> dead, okay? Now, they didn't go in there. You're not the high priest and go, oh, I forgot my sacrifice. No, no, okay? You didn't go in empty-handed. So we look at the prophecies from the Old Testament about who the Messiah is. Listen to this. They're all true. Jesus was hanging on the cross, okay? They had to be off the cross by a certain time because if they weren't, the people that were handling the bodies were ceremonially unclean for the next day. And they were so legalistic that that was an impossibility. So what they would do is if somebody was hanging on, they were really tough. The will to live in a human is great. Okay? So they would, they would smash their shins. They would break their shins. So they could not support themselves and they would hang. They would, their lungs would fill up. They would asphyxiate. They would drown on their own blood. Oh, what a joy. But when Jesus was on, on the cross, when he said, it's finished, number one, he meant it. And he gave up his life. So they walked up to Jesus, and they poked his side with the spear, right here. And it says that water and blood ran out, meaning that he was dead. Now watch. If he hadn't have been dead, they would have had to break his bones. But one of the prophecies say that the Messiah would never have a broken bone. I, if you look at just the, just the logistics of this math problem, there's no way that you can gamble with eternity that he's not going to come back. So Jesus brings in the... The, the sacrifice, it's of himself. Look at verse 4. If he, Jesus, were on earth, he would not even be a priest since there are already priests who offer the gifts required by the law. This is Jesus. 
in his lineage. You can see it in Matthew 1 of his, of his human lineage. And in that we talked about, if, you're not, if you don't feel important, look in the first five or six verses of Matthew. You'll see a lady's name, Rahab, who hid spies. And if you don't think you're important, Rahab was a prostitute that is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. And if God can use that, I guarantee you, he can use us. Jesus would not have been a, uh, uh, considered to be a high priest because only the high priest came from the tribe of Levi and, jo- and Jesus was from Judah. It, this, all this makes sense. He would, have been, he would not even been required to, or been able to be. Uh, but Jesus ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. Look at verse 5. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy or a shadow of the real one in heaven. Now, how many people, just, just quick, how many people have read about the, just the intricacies on exactly how Moses had to build a tabernacle? Okay, it is literally, let me give you an example. Like, I'll be Moses just real quick. This isn't in the Bible. Okay, Moses, hold a pen in your, le- in your right hand. A little bit higher. A little bit higher. A little bit higher, right there. Moses, I want you to take exactly three steps forward of equal distance. One, two, three. Moses, I want you to turn to your left. Stop. I want you to hold the pin out. I want you to turn it sideways. I want you to put it right there. Everything was that meticulous. Everything was that meticulous. It, was in, it had to be just like that. Now, this is really, really cool. It's really, really neat. Now, watch this. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him his warning. This is, it says warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. God told him the instructions. God told Noah how to build the ark. In the middle of the desert. You ever thought somebody was crazy? I would take a stab and say, you've never thought anybody was that crazy. They didn't even know what rain was. It had never rained before. What are you doing every day? Um, building an ark. That's cool, psycho. We're in the middle of the desert. Oh, no. God said to build it. Yeah, well, I think your Happy Meal didn't have a toy in it. <laughs> and the thing is, we would be those people. Look at the, look at the faith. That Moses has. You know, we, we talked about some, just some stuff that we're, we're, we want to do with, with the lead team yesterday. And it's about, it's about faith. What, do you have the faith when you're with a group of people? That's one thing. Do you have the faith to stand up for God when you're the only one? The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What if two of them hadn't stood up? What the other one did? What the other one would have? What would God have done? See, he didn't, in that story, God doesn't remove the fire from them. He joins them and he rescues them from the fire in the fire. So Moses has a distinct duty here to make an exact, make it exact. So some of you are deep thinkers and you like this. Some of you go, I cannot wait to get done with Hebrews. Fine. But listen to this. I want to show you how important this is. Plato, not Pluto from Mickey Mouse, not Play-Doh, Plato. Plato was a Greek philosopher. And he believed, listen to this, he believed that we only know things as shadows of the original. Approximately 
400 years before Jesus was born, Plato wrote the parable of the cave, meaning this. He wrote that our knowledge is like that of a man who is kept in a fire-lit cave and only sees the shadows of real objects when he looks at the cave walls. So there's a man in in a fire and something passes in front of it that casts a shadow on the wall It can only cast a shadow if it's a real thing. Okay? So it's a replica. So the shadow, okay. How many of you can turn on a flashlight when it's dark and not do this? About as many people that can reload the battery on a DeWalt drill and not think it's a magazine to a machine gun. Am I right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're all guilty. So am I. So... I mean, Mary thinks I'm like weird. She'll come in. I go, hey, I need to change the battery on this. It's like I'm going to war. (laughs) Yeah. So anything that passes in front of the, that gets the light shown on it would appear. So if you did this and the fire was here, it would, it would, it would, the light would go this way through this object, replicating the shadow on the wall. So it would look like, okay, the hand is real. The point is this. God gave Moses exact instructions because the earthly tabernacle reflects a shadow that there is one in heaven. That's the cool thing. I can't imagine being Moses and trying to follow those kinds of directions and instructions. In Exodus, Moses has given those instructions. Um, it's, it's, it's to model. So why is it important that we look at this? Matt, that was a tent that wandered around the desert. Uh, the, the tent, number one, is a big deal because it housed God's presence, but it was portable. Now watch the shadow of this. It was portable. But they were still under the sacrificing, and God's presence was contained. But it was portable. Now he's omnipresent. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. The, the, uh, the holy of holy curtain was ripped from the ceiling down to the floor, exposing God's presence everywhere. Then in Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit come everywhere. It's important. It's important. Why is it so important that we look at Christ's work versus our imperfections? We're talking about imperfections, but we have to to cover this. Why is it a big deal that we have to look to Jesus to get over our imperfections? I'm not talking if you want a a smaller nose or a more pointy nose or a rounder nose or smaller ears or bigger feet or a little feet. If you need bigger feet, I got some. I can give it to you. Um, I wear 14 wide. It's, it's really fun to find shoes. We just sang a song a while ago, if all of me, or if all of you means less of me, take everything. If all of you means less of me, take everything. That's John 3.30. I must become less. He must become more. He must become greater and greater. I must become less. Now, Look at the next blank on your worship handout. This is why. Christ's work allows us to directly and confidently enjoy God's presence. Directly. Do you know, do you know what I got to do today? Some of us are going to go to lunch, and, we're gonna, and, we're, and this is how we're going to react. So, did you go to church today? Yeah. What happened? We sang some songs. Our pastor talked too long, and... I was really hungry, so we came here and I didn't want to cook lunch. That's neat. That's what an unbelievable world finds unbelievable. 
I have an uncle that will never step foot inside of a church other than God moving in his life because he used to go to the Elks on Saturday night and have a drink with his meal. And he would get up the next morning, he would go to church, and there would be somebody that talked to him the night before, even sat right down next to him and had a drink with him in his dinner. And they would not acknowledge him at church the next morning and act like they were better than him. And they are such hypocrites. Oh, aren't we all? The number one pain causer, cutter of people spiritually in this world are the ones that go to church. I've told you before, it has nothing against you. I didn't know many of you. The reason that I did not want to do this job and become a pastor because it dealt with people like you. <laughs> and me. It involves people and we cut each other. Listen to me. Instead of answering, you know, it's church day. Pastor talked too long. Didn't really learn anything. I would love to talk to some of those people. And I'm not being, I'm not being arrogant. Be like, were you listening? I find it really funny when I leave church and somebody says, well, I don't really like the message today. Yeah, you updated Facebook three times during my sermon. You know those are time stamps, right? I'm not talking about anybody in here. Just don't, don't you can... <gasps> Maybe I am. No, I'm just kidding. So, what if we answered that question like this? Did you go to church today? Yeah. What happened? I got to go into a room collectively with a group of people in a free country, and I got to sing, I got to sing words out loud. And I got to worship with other people and I got to come to the very throne of God and I got to praise the creator of the world. That is something that other, most people in this world do not have. That's different. We, we get to, we, because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to offer sacrifices of animals. We get to come and lay at the feet of God. And the, and the Bible talks about shaking the throne with prayers. We can go straight to the throne room. That's a good song, by the way. Look at verse six. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates to us, or for us, a far better covenant with God based on better promises. You are living in a time of history that is the best time to live. No, and this world's going to Hades in a handbasket. Okay, it is. In the Great Depression, the stories from my grandpa, he said this. When we didn't have anything and the only thing that we had was God, God was allowed to move in ways that we never knew he could move. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're, you guys are so spoiled in your generation, you'll probably never see that. We don't have to go to a physical tabernacle to enjoy God's presence. How many people have read Leviticus? Hmm. Mm-hmm-hmm. Where reading your Bible through in a year, dreams go to die, Right? It's rough. I read it in my seminary professor. He said, hey, Matt, what'd you learn from Leviticus? What are you thankful for about Leviticus? I said two things. The first one was really sarcastic, but it was the truth. I said, I'm glad I don't have to read it again right now. But I said, I'm glad that on Sunday I can wear jeans or shorts to church and not have to dress like they did. And he said, that's a very good answer. Because it's changed. It's different. Okay? We have a different covenant. It's a superior one. The tent in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, was made with men's hands. We get to draw near to the very throne of God. We read in the Old Testament that the king who ransoms his people from their iniquities or their sins, 
and brings them peace with God has ushered in the new covenant. I give you one guess who that is. It's Jesus. Verse 7, if the first covenant had been faultless, there would, be, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. Now, did the old covenant work? Yes. They offered sacrifices, they would be forgiven of their sins. They would offer sacrifices, forgiven of their sins. Offer sa- this is an never-ending cycle. But it wasn't final. The old, te- the old covenant did exactly what God wanted it to do, but it was not final. But verse 8 says, but when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. The problem is, this is the problem that we have too. He said that, and then we have to do this. You ready? It's a four-letter spiritual cuss word. Ready? We have to wait. You know the white page in between Malachi and Matthew in your Bible? You think, oh, that's it's cool. It's got a title page for the New Testament. You know that means something? God did not speak for 400 years. You can't wait 38 seconds. No, some of you are mad because McDonald's now is cooking... Ordered up fresh quarter pounders. And you're sitting in the drive-thru. It's like, it's like they just scream cuss words at you. Can you please pull forward? Fine. And you're sitting there. It's been a minute. It's been. I go to Hardee's a lot. And it's never a good thing if somebody's asked to pull up and then they come inside. It, I have never seen this end well. Or they come to the drive-thru, they get their food, and you see the right before the door, and they're, and they'll back up, here, come in, and they, I love it when they try to push the door, because one of them is really heavy, and if it's a little person, they're like, and they try to act so tough, and they're like, and they get through, and they're, tell me something, you forgot this, or you did this, or you did this, if you go out to eat today, or whenever you're out to eat, you didn't have to cook that food, will you just say thank you, and if you don't say you know, it, just tell them that, that you appreciate them. There's a, there's a guy in our church, he was at the first service, talking about, talking about the day is coming, says the Lord, when I make a new covenant, and, and God says, I want, you to be, I want you to be happy, I want you to be attractive to other people, magnetic to other people. He sits in his truck, and he's getting around. How many people, uh, whenever they go pay property taxes, like really enjoy it? Anyone? Yeah, good. I'd rather go to the dentist five times, and I don't like him, Okay. So he, this guy in our church, he sits in his, in, his, in his truck, and he has the payment for his property taxes. You know what he does? He whistles. I said, why on earth do you whistle? He goes, because it's very difficult to frown when you whistle. He goes, God told us we have to obey the laws of the land. And I'm like, okay, we're not talking about property tax here, because I don't like it. He goes, but it's the law. So I whistle, and, he, and he, I said, why in the world do you whistle, and you go in to pay your property tax? You know what he said? He said, I'm probably the only one. And those people probably don't get a lot of awesome things said to them all day. So he goes in whistling. Can you imagine this? Hello, hello, sir. Hey. You say, pay my property tax. Do you think he stands out as different? Yeah, probably. So God, God wants us to... God, he Look, and in verse 8, but when God had found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Um, there's a prophet in the Old Testament that talks about this. His name's Jeremiah. I was going to do a joke about that. Okay, I will. If you get a, a Facebook 
request, a friend request from my buddy Jeremiah. Um, accept it. Um, he, he, he's a bullfrog, and he's a really good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> sorry. There's people that are under like 15 going, uh. Verse 9. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Why, why, we need, why do we need a new covenant? Because the old covenant was broken. Okay? It wasn't final. And we often look in Scripture and go, you stupid Old Testament Israelite people. You do the right thing, you do the wrong thing. You do the right thing, you mess up again. You do the bad thing, God saves you again. When are you going to learn? And God's looking at you going, the same time that you try to learn. We do the same thing over and over we let our, our inconsistency and our imperfections get in the way. Endless sacrifice. Look at verse 10 and 11. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. You know what that gives us a word? Of, that's the definition of? Possession. It's not a bad word. Possession. It involves John 10, 29, 28 and 29. It's about the, the translation of, of the word kept. It's, it means held. We're, we're always in him. And, and actually, there's a, there's a better word in here. In verse 11, it said, They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will already know me, or know me already. And in verse 12, I'm thankful for this verse. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Ha <laughs> ha! You do not know me. But this is straight power. I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Some of us have been stuck in a rut so long and have been addicted or something to a sin, a repetitive sin that keeps going on and keeps going on and keeps going on. We do this. God, I'm sorry for such and such. I'm sorry for such and such. And the next day we come to God again and we say, God, I'm sorry for such and such. Again. And he goes, again, what do you mean? The fact that God chooses to not remember my sin is a big deal. So this is what this should equal. This should equal every day when I wake up, I should be ready to tell people about who God is. I don't, this isn't church related. This isn't where you go to church. This is, do you know the God that doesn't remember my sin? Because if you can't remember my sin, that's a big God. Look at this. I will never again remember so, so one day I say, God, I'm so sorry for talking to Mary that way that I, I just, I, ugh, I get so mad all the time and I'm, it's my anger. And then I'll, I'll be put, I'll be reconciled with him, be forgiven. I'll be put back in the right spot spiritually. And 30 seconds later, I don't know about if it, it takes me like less than that probably to sin. Okay. I don't know. If, I'm a, I guess I'm a really good sinner. I don't know. But, I, but I'll, I'll struggle with the same thing or Satan will get in my head. And he goes, I don't think God forgave you. I say, God, really, seriously, I'm repenting of this. I'm so sorry. And I'm talking to God and he says, I have no idea what you're talking about. The, fa- the fact that God doesn't remember, he chooses to not remember what I've done. I should be carrying around a megaphone all day long going, Excuse me, Victoria, do you understand that God does not remember my sin? It should be, I should hand out birthday cake. Hey, welcome to my party. God didn't remember my sin after I asked him to forgive me. In verse 13, he says this. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means that he's made the first one obsolete. 
It's now out of date and will soon disappear. It's just like iPhones. I joke with my daughters. This is an iPad that I just bought, I don't know, three or four months ago. And I got it in the mail. And Emma goes, what's that? I said, it's the new iPhone 78. I'm just ahead of the curve. (laughs) By the time you walk out of the store, your cell phone is out of date. They already have something that does something better when you buy that one. And it's the new one. You go try to buy, I'm a Mac person, but if you could go uh, buy a PC... By the time you pick it up and get to the cash register, there's another one. Okay, What God is doing, he said, this old covenant, had a, had, it was flawed. I want it out of here. Because I'm, I'm setting up a new one, and this new one is where it's at. God does not, he chooses not to remember my awful, sinful things that I've done. It should cause internally the greatest worship service of my life every single day. If you ever drive by me, and I am... This doesn't make sense to me at all. Like, I can play my hands, and I can keep a beat. They do not work together. I can hit baseballs all day. No problem. I can somewhat play this thing. This contraption here scares me to death. Because I'm not comfortable with it. I don't, I, don't, I don't speak that language. But I consider myself probably... Top five air drummers of I've ever met. If I have, now air drummer, you know, just like this. But if I, I would probably move to the top three if it's the top air water bottle holding air drummers. If you ever go by me in my truck and, and you, I'm just like doing this, I'm probably worshiping. Just dreaming that God would give me the gift to play drums maybe. But, but it, it should be like that all the time. You go out to eat today. How was your day? You have no idea. I got to sing in a group of people in a church that was not, you know, assaulted on the way in. And I got to sing to the creator of the universe just simply because he loves me. You want a cookie with that? Verse 12, God says he will forget or not remember, not choose to not remember our sins. It should happen when we think about what God has done for us. That he's paid the price for our sin. Here, here is the biggest problem. Look at the last blank in your handout. Our biggest problem is sin. Shocker. The middle letter is I. Oh. See, we're really good at doing this. Justin, you sinner. I see what you sin. I see what you do. I see what you do. I see what you do. You want to talk about really, really judging people. Be in the same house with one. Mary, you sinner. I see you. I'm so glad she doesn't call out my sins every time I do. She would not quit talking. But our biggest problem is sin. It's really easy to say, you sin. And Jesus, again, says, okay, that's cool. You notice a splinter in this person's eye, and you have a log in yours. We don't want to look internally. We want to look externally. Because it's more fun to judge other people. And to play a game with our head that you have it. Like, you have your head on a little bit better than they do. You still both mess up. You're still both equally, equally in, you should inherit hell, but you don't have to. Like, our sin and God's holiness are not compatible. Because of sin in Genesis chapter 3, man is broken. We need Christ. We need the Messiah. Jesus is greater than your imperfection. And some of you come in and say, well, I just, my life is just done. I've been married two or three times. I had an abortion. I've committed murder. I've been a felon. I've been in jail. I don't care. 
can you say you don't care? Because I don't. At all. You've probably been judged for that in your life. Guess what? That's not my business. And some of you are like, holy cow, why is he saying? It's not my business. And the problem is my sin is not your problem. It's not your business. I have my own stuff to deal with. Our sin is our problem. God's holiness cannot be around sin. Jesus is greater. I don't care what you've done. I don't care, honest to goodness. I care about you. I don't care about your past. I do not care. At this church, you do not have to be defined by your past. Because do you know why? Jesus is greater than my past. And he's better than yours. God's holiness cannot be around sin. So we use our imperfections and, and we, 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 if I took that giant piece of poster board again and I put a black dot in the middle, some of you would say, if you played, if you played scholar ball, you'd be like, ding, I know what it is. It's a black dot. Good. But you didn't see the 99% of good white material around it. The only thing you saw was the imperfection. I didn't mean to put that dot there. We see imperfection quick. You don't believe me? Go home and look in the mirror. You'll have the tweezers out. You'll have the nose hair clippers out. I'm not wrong. Oh, after me and Mary eat, after me and Mary eat, she'll go, I have anything on my teeth. And sometimes I'll go, oh, yeah. And she'll like try for two or three minutes. I go, you really don't have anything in your teeth. I was just being mean. And sinning again. So, but but we, we, listen, it's really easy to point out other things in people. We have to understand that our imperfections. How about this? How about, the, about this question? We're almost done. How many, how many do you have? How many imperfections do you have spiritually? I personally don't have enough time to write those down. How many do you have? Better question. How many do you have the ability to go to God with to get better from that you're choosing not to? That's an easy answer. Ready? Most of them. Some of them are easy. Yeah, yeah, forgive me this, okay? What do you need to make right with God? How is your relationship with him? Who do you need to forgive or ask for forgiveness? Our imperfections can haunt us. God's word says that we need to be repentant, turning from those things and pursuing what God has for us. Three years ago, I sat in a tree stand. I was going through my 12-step for Celebrate Recovery, and I was making my amends. And I had made amends to absolutely every single human on this planet except one. And she fired me illegally incorrectly it wasn't my fault i have a problem with that god began to work on me through this study and i sat in a tree stand and i pulled out facebook messenger and i typed in her name to send a private message and i remember looking up going there's no way i said i might be able to write this but i can't send this and he goes do you understand how much i've forgiven you you need to let this go it's hindering your relationship with me so I began typing, and on, on Messenger, it was like this long, you know, all that long, <laughs> scroll, scroll, scroll. And I kept writing and kept typing, kept typing, kept typing, kept typing. And, I, and I, one of the last things I said was, 
you do not have to accept my apology. You don't have to do anything. I just want you to know that I am sorry for my part. I'm not expecting anything in return. And I sent it. It took me several hours of sitting there to type up the right words. I get a reply in like 30 seconds. Oh, Matt, that's such a, that's, that's such a great thing to hear. Next time I see you, I just want to hug your neck and act like nothing happened. And I'm like, what the heck is that? I don't want to have tea with this person. I just want to be making amends with this person. Many of you know I taught school this year at Summersville. It was a great blessing in my life. The person that fired me walked in. We had a big retirement party for our secretary. You know how you you know how you enter in a room with one person that you don't want to talk to and you and you don't want them to know you don't want to talk to them, but you kind of sneak around and if they actually actually paid attention, they would know that you're avoiding them. I was trying to do that. I didn't really want to have tea with the woman. I've forgiven her. I would go that way, she would go this way. And she's just watching me. And I'm like, lady, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm trying to juke her in the middle of the cafeteria. And she comes up to me. She goes, she goes, Matt, I need to talk to you. There's two things on planet Earth that we could be talking about. One is I taught her grandson or that whole situation. We walk over. Now she has me in a private corner. I'm going, oh, boy. She looked at me. And she was very emotional. And she said, three years ago, you wrote me an absolutely unbelievable, repentant, apologetic letter and I wrote you a go to heck hey thanks she said I need you to hear me she said I was wrong I love you and because Jesus has forgiven me of everything in my life I need to forgive you, but also ask you to forgive me. And I'm telling you like that. I gave that lady a hug and I meant it. So much healing. Because Jesus is greater. He's greater than a situation that I never thought would be over. So what do you deal with? What, are your, what is your stuff? If you want to learn who Jesus is, you want to talk about your imperfections, hey, Whatever, I'm here, I can be here as long as you want. Just meet me over here. You're not new, if you're new to Connection, we don't have a formal invitation. What we're seeing is the one-on-one meeting with people is more effective. It just does away with emotion stuff. But I want you to get this, that we all have our stuff. And I'm so thankful for one, that God chooses to not remember my junk. And that he works on me every day. <laughs> just... Sands a little here. I wish he'd stop sanding right here. I'm losing all of it. But he, he keeps sanding and moving and shaping and molding. We have the Touch Someone's Life gift. There it is. There it is. Two bags? Two bags. They're heavy. Oh, good. $252 in pennies. I'm kidding. We did it with $251. Wow. $125.66 per bag. Who would like to give this away? Okay, okay. 
See, you better be quick. It's like eating in our house. If you come to our house and you're invited to eat first, the first time you're there, after that, sorry about it. You gotta, you gotta jump on it. All right, we're gonna pray over these bags. I'm gonna pray over you. How many people? Uh, in, in a second, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray. If you, if you're, if you're suffering from this kind of stuff, these, I'm, I'm suffering from insecurities. I'm suffering from all these different things and my imperfections. In, in a second, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to just lift your hand, and you can look at me and, and nod. Um, that's fine as well. It just, um, I, God wants to deal with this stuff. And I, from a personal standpoint, he, he's done a lot of dealing with this, me in this last week. And I'm telling you, the, the spiritual reward of having somebody forgive you. Uh, but I had to wait. It's not instant. So I want to pray for you as maybe some of you have to wait. Let's bow our heads. Anybody have any of those imperfection stuff you want me to pray for? Okay, let's pray. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. We're thankful for Jesus Christ. Through him and his death, burial, resurrection. God, we can come to you openly, directly, straight to your throne. God, there's many things in our lives that don't go right, don't do right, and we, we're not good at it. We need you. God, we need you to help us and guide us. Help us, God, to follow the, leadings of the leadership of your Holy Spirit. God, be with the people that have had the guts enough to raise their hand and say, I have stuff going on in my life. God, I pray, I pray, God, that you minister to them in a way that they've never seen through the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that they would just understand what you wanted to do and how you want them to, want them to do it. And God, even if they're the only one, even when, if it doesn't make sense, God, I pray that you give them the strength. God, I pray that you be with these bags of money that are going to go out and bless people. I thank you for the two people that volunteered to take them, God, and I pray that you just lead them and speak to them on who they're going to bless with this money, God, and it's not about our church, but God, may you receive all of the glory for this and let them realize that there are people that love them very much. God, we love you, and we're thankful for Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.